that she had her good bob on. <laughs> okay, she deserves. <laughs> it's something about a bob that really takes these girls to the next level. It does I don't know if you've noticed. I don't know if you noticed, but it's like the Winter Soldier bob. I saw. I was watching this movie today called The Protege. Uh, it has Maggie Q in and Michael Keaton, Samuel Jackson, and there's this part where Maggie Q's character switches her hair and she puts on this bob. It's curtain. It, it means it's you mean curtain. like it means you mean business. business. <laughs> like, out here like killing people. Like I was like, come on. I was like, it's done. Like it's something about a bomb. It really sets the top. Welcome back to another relaunch. We are your host, I am Keenan. What's up, y'all? I am LZ. I had to fix my headband. How are you doing today, LZ? <laughs> <laughs> I am doing great. You know, it is uh, nice out here in LA. Mm-hmm. Great weather. Um, I'm doing good. I'm in a great mood. You know? I love to see it. That's all, we, that's, all we, that's all we can do. You know, it's that good weather. It does that to you. But, you know, mm-hmm. you got to be ready. Global warming is real, everyone. So. <laughs> uh, and with that, let's go ahead and get started. Let's get into these comics of the week. Now, we have some great things come out this week. Um, just so as a little FYI, Defenders number two from Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez and the Swamp Thing number seven from Rand V and Mike Perkins did come out. They're excellent books. We got like I feel like at this point I don't I don't know if it's like I'm starting to feel a little biased when I talk about their comics. <laughs> yeah, well, you critique them. You critique them. Yeah. Maybe not Ram. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're good. <laughs> go but let's get to the big ones. Um, and so start up. We'll do the Green Lantern annual. And I unfortunately have not been tapped into Green Lantern this year, so. You away. know, uh, me neither, but I decided to pop back into this, <laughs> into this, <laughs> into this annual um, because if any of the listeners remember back during Future State, there was this Green Lantern uh, Future State issue about Jessica Cruz where she was going to be um, becoming a Yellow Lantern. And mm-hmm. this issue basically follows up on that. So this was written by Ryan Cady with pencils by um, Sammy Passari and Tom Durenick. And Tom Durenick did the um, Hal Jordan section of this issue and uh, Sam Basari did the rest. Now, I will say that uh, Basari's art is, love it. <laughs> really big okay. fan. Instantly, I was like, oh, I really enjoy this art. I love the way that the action and everything kind of flowed together. I love the faces. It's very, like... Um, I can't think of his name right now. I have to come back and give you an example of it, but like I really do enjoy. Um, there are, it's kind of like Jorge Molina. Oh, okay. I like Molina's art a lot. That's a yeah, it's, it's kind of like that. Um, really great stuff. And back in that Future State issue, um, Jessica was aboard this space station and the space station like went out and she got attacked by these three yellow lanterns long story short she took them all out by herself without a ring but one of the rings ended up like coming to her at the end and she was destined to be like a yellow lantern so this annual follows up on that she ends up taking all three of those yellow lanterns 
to New Korrigar, which is where mm-hmm. um, Sinestro is, and she has them in chains and is like, hey, you know, these are the, I'm just dropping them off to you. I'm also giving you your ring back. Like, yeah. I needed a way to get home. That's the only reason I even have this ring on. And Sinestro is basically saying, you know, that's not true. The ring called to you. You know, um, I think you can actually do a lot more good than you think with this ring. Um, mm-hmm. Later on, she ends up having a conversation with Sinestro. And he says, you know, I'm not a sadist. I'm actually like very hopeful. I feel like the power that I have by showing people their fears can help stop a lot of the crime in the galaxy. Um, okay. And, you know, she ends up kind of, Jessica Cruz ends up kind of feeling like maybe he has a point. Maybe he mm-hmm. doesn't. And he tells her, you know, she's like, I'm going to, I don't want to do this. I just need to get back to Earth because uh, all of the Green Lantern rings. Again, I'm not really reading the current Green Lantern series. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. But <laughs> supposedly the rings, like the Green Lantern rings all went out or something. And that's how she got stuck on that space station. So she's just trying to get back to Earth. Um, okay. Sinestro told her, go ahead, take the ring, get yourself back to Earth or whatever. And um, she ends up getting attacked by Hal Jordan, <laughs> of, of course, mm-hmm. because he thinks she's just a Yellow Lantern. And um, she is trying to assist this, like, transport truck that mm-hmm. feels, they, they're saying, they put out this beacon that they uh, are broken down, they need some help. She tries to help. Hal Jordan attacks her because she he got a call that a Yellow Lantern was attacking a transport truck, but really she was trying to help out. Um, she ends up having this kind of really cool like fight with uh, Sinestro, I'm sorry, with uh, Hal Jordan and mm-hmm. uh, they are on this ship. Turns out that the transport ship didn't actually need help. They were actually being um, pirated <laughs> by these pirates mm-hmm. who made themselves look like they were actually the crew and really they were pirates and uh, Jessica was the one who came up with the the reveal and kind of showed everybody that no, these were actually the pirates. So she's showing that you can do something good with your fears, which, mm-hmm. you know, she was this person who was very, um, kind of nice, not to say like agoraphobic, but she dealt with like very bad, uh, she had like uh, anxiety or something, really she? bad anxiety. Yeah. yeah. And like really fearful of a lot of things. And she kind of showed that she was kind of using her fears to strengthen this ring. And by the end of it, Hal, says, you know, you aren't my subordinate anymore, so you can kind of do whatever you want to do. And does that make you a... And she says, I don't know. We'll see you so far, but for right now, I think I'm going to try to do good with this ring. And she looks at Earth, because she is kind of closer to it now, and she's like, you know, Earth doesn't need me right now. It's got plenty of Green Lanterns. I okay. think I'm where I need to be. So right now, she is a Yellow Lantern. Mm. And I think that's actually kind of an interesting turn for yeah. this character and really cool. You know, a lot of the Lanterns have had different colors. A guy has had a red on yeah, before. Yeah. Um, uh, John has had purple before, but I feel like this one for Jessica kind of would be interesting because we haven't really seen too many Earth people mm. kind of become Yellow Lanterns outside yeah. of, you um, know, a fun event. You know, I know like you obviously haven't been tattooed into the Green Lantern universe, but are they kind of building Jessica into her own solo series, does it feel like? Or is this kind of like a you know, it feels like there might be some kind of like Sinestro thing being built up where the yellow core might Mm -hmm. be built up into some kind of solo series, as she may be probably be a part of that now. 
So if they if there ever is like a Sinestro number one, I would not be surprised if Jessica Cruz was up there with him. They just need to give a woman a book. Okay. (laughs) It's shameful. It's shameful. Um, what would you rate the annual? Honestly, I would give this annual a four out of five. The art was fantastic. Mm really enjoyed the way that they really developed Jessica into this Yellow Lantern. And even with this one issue, you really kind of see the differences between the fear and the will. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, people always call the Green Lanterns cops <laughs> in this and, and you know, how the, they force their will on people. And they don't think that that is the right way that the universe should be kind of ran. So I, I like the way that, that that whole, like, difference between the two of those was shown. So definitely four out of five, solid issue. Okay. Oh, come on, bring Green Lantern. And you said Ryan Katie was writing this annual? Correct, yes. Are they also writing the main Green Lantern, the main Green Lantern book? No. That is um Oh that's or I can't think of his name. Jeff Thorne. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, hopefully Katie gets some more work. That would love that. This was good. <laughs> All right, next up on our list is Black Manta number one. Um, this is from Chuck Brown and Valentine Delandro. And uh, fun fact, well, I don't know if Valentine is. I heard Valentine was, but I'm not sure. The uh, Chuck Brown is a black man, and I was told that Valentine Delandro was also a black man. Okay. So it's so all black creative team on Black Manta, the black character, the nemesis of Aquaman. So that's like, let's give it up for that. that. Yes. Um, this was a really good number one. You know, uh, did you, you didn't pick it up, did you? I did not. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Haven't been too tapped into like the Aqua World in a bit, outside mm-hmm. of like hearing the stuff from you and everything, and like everything on the show. But like I used to, I used to check it out back in. Um, I was tapped in the New Fifty Two. I also gave it a chance during Rebirth. The first like six issues of Rebirth, I felt like I was a rehash of stuff I already knew, and I was like, I'm. I'm out. Yeah, because the universe just restarted. <laughs> so they gotta tell you know that always happens when DC does a reboot. They gotta retell that story again. Um, but no, so like this, it's actually funny that you say that because this Black Manta series kind of follows off of the Manta that was built up in the Rebirth series. I think oh, no. Dan Abnett is one of the first characters who ever really gave Black Manta motivation beyond just hating Arthur and like blaming him for his dad, and uh, that continues here. So in the Rebirth run. He kind of made Manta a pirate. He like took over this uh, group called Nemo, and he was doing all this stuff here. He's also like into the whole sea pirate thing, and he's teamed up with this new character. Her name is Gallus the Great, and there's also another villain on the side who's going to be introduced. His name is Devil Ray, but he's working with these common criminals, and they're calling him Blue. I don't know what his deal is, but I'm so into him. He is doing something with his powers. He's like manip- he's making magic, but not actually doing magic. He talks about how all magic users warp reality on a small level using um, something like quantum energy. And he's like, he's figured out how to manipulate that quantum energy in a similar way to like do his own little spell. So he like does, uh, you know how Dr. Fate has the little symbol? He does does his own little Dr. Fate symbol and it takes them to his secret lair. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I was like, oh, wow. All right, for them Um, giving him some stuff, all right. Yeah, um, and so Black Manta ends up stealing 
this rock from this pirate ship at the behest of Gallus. Um, and then apparently the rock starts affecting humans all around the world and like they're getting really bad headaches and we think it's killing them. Um, Gallus is a really interesting character. She's one of those guys. She doesn't take anything from Manta. You know, Manta's kind of like egotistic and thinks everybody should worship the ground that he walks on. She very much does not. And she punches him in the face and she's like, what you going to do about it? He says to her, he's like, you know, you can't. He's like, what are you going to do without me? He's like, you won't make any money. She's like, I could sell your uh, helmet to Batman. I heard he likes trophies. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, like yeah, it's like, okay, girl. Um, so that's going on. And throughout the issue, he's kind of narrating a letter that he's writing. We find out that he's actually writing the letter to Jackson, uh, which was a nice touch. He's not like asking for forgiveness or anything like that. He's basically just saying like, this is what my legacy is. This is the story that I'm trying to bring to you. Um, it ends off with some woman who was turned to stone. She like breaks free from this, I guess her stone prison and she starts fighting these bugs. She's like, I'm not gonna be held down again. She's got white hair, she's black lady, you know, it's very powerful. Giving, giving storm. She she makes lightning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She makes a little bit of lightning. Um but the issue ends there. And so basically, like, this was all just a lot of setup for that, just kind of getting into that. We're meeting the players who are going to be, uh, we're going to be seeing in this miniseries. Again, it's really good. It's the first time we've seen Manta without, well, with new motivation. And he's just a really interesting character villain. Uh, obviously, I might be a little bit biased. Everybody knows the Aqua Corner is my world. But I feel like a lot of people who aren't really into Manta or are trying to get to know him, who I've talked to who picked this up, they really enjoyed it as well. The art is phenomenal. The Landro like kills it. It's like perfectly suited for this. Um, the undersea scenes are nice. The scenes of uh, Manta, he's like very deadly. He's killing these pirates and killing all these people. The action's good. It feels brutal. It's very kinetic. Again, the relationship that we see between him and Gallus, like the character work that's being done there in the panels is phenomenal. Four out of five, all around, for sure. I feel like if you have, if you play Injustice, and you like yes. Black Manta and that, I did, I you did. should read this movie <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Okay. And um, so next up on our list is Shang-Chi number four. Shout out to the movie for teaching me how to say his name as well, because I've definitely been saying Shang for the longest time. <laughs> um, they told us, hey, that is not how you say it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It is Shang-Chi. And I was like, mm-hmm. you got it. Um, it is from Jing Lu and Yang and art by Dyke Ruin. So the Fantastic Four showed up in this issue. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, we love them. I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but basically, Shang-Chi's been having this dream. He's seeing this girl sitting on his father's throne in like this weird, spacey, purpley kind of galaxy place. He doesn't know what it means. He thinks it's his sister. He talks to one of the sorcerers of the five weapons, and everybody knows that is the organization that his dad run that he's now taking over and trying to like not necessarily let them be criminals anymore. Um, the guy tells him like she's in the negative zone. That's why you're having trouble realizing what this space is so he calls up reed richards and he's like hey i need to get to the uh, negative zone because i think my sister's there can you help me reed's like how'd you figure this out he's like the sorcerer reed's like yeah i'm not helping you (laughs) 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 he's like he's like you know it's nothing against you he's just like but what that organization represents he's like i heard he's like i guess the rumors are true he was like i can't do anything for you so shang and his siblings infiltrate the Baxter building. They go on like one of those little tours of it and then they break in, find one of those ships or something, go to the negative zone, find the woman. It's not his sister, it's his mom. 
Oh. Yeah. Wow. You know, he's, he's thought his mother was dead this entire time. She reveals to him that, no, like, she betrayed somebody and they banished her to the negative zone. And while she was in there, she actually, a part of her abilities that they passed down is, like, bonding with creatures. So she bonds with, like, some of the monsters in there. Mm. And, like, they help her, like, fight off things. They end up building her a place to live. And she's just been there for this entire time. And she's been using her power to try and contact Sean. And that's how they get him out. So... They get out. When they come back, obviously, the rest of the Fantastic Four pop up. They start fighting a little bit. Uh, Reed Richards comes in. He's like, you know what? Just go. But when he leaves, he calls Captain America. And he's like, we need to talk about Shang-Chi. And so, yeah, it's getting real for him. Uh, We go back to the house. His mom's there. She's a little weird. Obviously, she's been in the negative zone for a long time. But we see that she has these visions of these, um, like, demonic creatures who are kind of watching over her. And so the issue ends, and next issue, Iron Man pops up. Oh. Yeah. So so. He's going through all the heroes, I see. He's going to, like, every issue has been, like, a different hero. I think, again, this is, like, trying to really establish Shang's place in the Marvel Universe and, like, where he stands with all the characters. Because you kind of realize, especially as you're going through, he does know and have really close relationships with all of these people. We just never Mm -hmm. see him with them. And now they kind of got to deal with, again, a Shang who is acting of his own volition. I feel like a lot of Shang-Chi stories, he comes in helping everybody because they called him. They need somebody to fight. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They need somebody to beat up. So they're like, oh, let's just call him up. And then he doesn't do more than that. This is the first time we've actually seen him like going. Like, he has a reason for why he's doing things. And, like, that's not rubbing. It's not rubbing the white people the, white people the right way. Because <laughs> <laughs> they are like, what is going on? What are you doing? He, he's like... I'm like living. He's like, I have my own goals. I have my own motivations. You don't control me. And they're going. So um, I'd give this a, I'd give this a 3.5 out of five. I think the art's pretty serviceable. Um, I don't, obviously I'm not a huge Fantastic Four fan, so I can't really speak to the voices of them, but I felt like the Fantastic Four aren't really the nicest people. So that tracks. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to just laugh. Ben comes in and he says some pretty, like, nasty oh, things. Oh, Ben is... Okay, I'll give you that one. <laughs> I won't lie. What um, I, I, I'll find the pages and then yeah. I'll read because he's ben not is. nice. Ben is Sue does... I think... I feel like Sue was there, mm-hmm. but I don't think she did anything. My girl minds her business. I mean, I wouldn't go that far. She minds her business. And I'm sure Reed was like, who was breaking into my home? They probably had to, did they have to fight a bunch of Herbie bots? They did fight a bunch of Herbie bots. (laughs) And they made a comment of it. They were like, why we got to keep fighting all these robots? (laughs) (laughs) So that was nice. Um, But yeah, 3.5 out of 5. Again, I think for people who just want to kind of get interested in Shang-Chi, check it out. Yeah. Next up on our list is Daredevil number 34, and this is still Electra, so I'll let you take it away. Yes, it was. So this issue actually was um, part Electra and actually part uh, Matt. Um, again, this was written by Chip Zdarsky with um, art by uh, Stefano Landini. And um, I haven't remembered if Stefano did any other issues earlier than this one, but I liked it <laughs> a lot. I really liked the art, art in this a lot. I hope that Marvel kind of gets him to kind of stick around because this is great. Um, this issue is all about 
Matt in the prison and Electra getting ready to go take on Daredevil. So um, in prison, Matt is actually about to leave prison in this issue. Oh. <laughs> so um, Detective Cole, who has been this like detective who came out of Chicago, has kind of been the one who's been on Daredevil's ass this entire run, basically, is there in the prison and he confronts Matt, who has become like the king of the prison now, and. Matt yeah. tells him that, you know, hey, all this aggression and stuff has actually has been this drug called uh, Resid. And there's this drug that the warden had been basically pumping out into people to get them to be more aggressive. And it was a whatever kind of uh, like virus or whatever that he was giving it to people. It didn't last too long. So they would be aggressive and they would kind of pass it along to people around them and then end up back in jail. And Matt is basically giving this really... Um, <laughs> kind of pointed and <laughs> very on on topic speech about the prison system and um, Zadarsky does a way of writing it where it doesn't feel like it's a slap in the face mm-hmm. while also being very informative about how the prison system is and how I it's will all say about those, um, those early issues that I was reading when Matt first went to prison I felt like it was very thoughtful in the way that Zadarsky was approaching like how the American uh prison system is very flawed and like mm-hmm. how it is like uh, negatively impacts like even the black guy who Matt met in the prison and he was like telling him he was like you know you're in prison you get to wear your mask I don't <laughs> get to do that <laughs> exactly so like um, that speech I thought was fantastic then we get some flashbacks of um, when I said necessarily flashbacks these are like a Daredevil or Electra Daredevil anyway getting ready to take on Bullseye she tells a little girl who we kind of had mentioned before, who I thought had like an age jump or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she is getting ready to go fight a daredevil. And she tells a little girl, hey, I wish you could have had a better life than I did. Um, even though, you know, you just lost your mom. I wish you deserved to have something better. The She gives her this box and she says, this has a bunch of money in it for you. So you never have to worry about it. Uh, this apartment that we're in is yours. Uh, keep it, uh, take care of yourself. And Electra. This little is, girl? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I don't know, 12? I don't know. <laughs> she got an apartment? <laughs> she told the girl, here's your apartment. It's been paid for. It's yours. She also told her there are numbers in here for you to call attorneys to like help you do all this stuff. And um, Alice is like, wait, are you not coming back? And Electra's like, just looks back and jumps out of the window. So she's going on to go fight uh, Bullseye with this new, it looks like the same suit, but um, obviously something probably was kind of changed with it because the last issue, Iron Man kind of gave her some upgrades. Um, he needs to die. Yeah, I thought he just, didn't he just die? Not dead enough. <laughs> um, so Matt is in jail fighting off um, some of the other police guards who are trying to break in and get and stop him because he's become mm-hmm. like the king now. And then he finds out that Daredevil is out there killing people. He had no idea this entire time that Daredevil mm-hmm. had been loose. So now that he found that out, he's ready to break out and go help Electra. Electra's in the city, and uh, Typhoid Mary has on this like Daredevil costume. She also wants to get a piece of bullseye. Oh, I love this in Typhoid Mary. I actually like her too. I kind of want her to become an Electra villain. She kind of is, but like I feel like she's like a Hell's Kitchen 
really? Yeah, I feel like they're like parallel. Yeah. Um, and they're getting ready to get down to this fight, and Electra pulls out her size, and then they kind of have this like electricity kind of glowing thing to them. So they're kind of giving that like Nightwing vibe, you know, when his his mm. kind of like So I'm assuming Night. I mean, I'm sorry, Iron Man did something to them, or her mm. battle was I. So the next issue, I'm assuming, is going to be the big, the big fight. The big fight. Hmm. I might jump in for that. You know, I love a good action issue. Yeah, you know, my girl brings that. I was gonna say, well, type when Mary definitely does also. So that that's not what I was talking about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so overall, though, I would honestly give this issue a four out of five. I really enjoyed the art, and I really enjoyed the the prison speech and everything mm-hmm. there. I really enjoyed also Electra really being Electra. The one thing that has always been fearful for me has been when you put a character like Electra in a daredevil costume mm-hmm. sometimes they kind of make them become more like heroic i don't know if you notice kind of what they're doing with like a harley or even poison ivy or kind of like a lot of female villains anyway um or any kind of female character who isn't a hero mm-hmm. whenever they, whenever they give them something to do they kind of make them more heroic or if they're popular then they kind of try to make them more heroic but i appreciate that in this book electra's been electra yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, she's like she's trying to do good things but she's doing it like in the electra way exactly it's not just it's not just electra in the daredevil costume it's electra being daredevil which is a lot better yeah um so yeah i would give this a solid like four out of five great issue okay. very nice shout out to the daredevil fans coming up yeah that uh the, where they're fighting um fisk or somebody right yeah fisk is gonna be I guess going off all up against Hell's Kitchen, so what else I'm excited. Would he do? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> all right, and last but certainly not least on our list is Excalibur number twenty-three, and this comes from Teeny Howard and Marcus Tell. Mm-hmm. Um, this issue was actually really good, you know. So I, I've been thinking a lot about Excalibur lately, especially well, just the X line in general, and kind of like everything that's about to happen with. Uh, the revamp of the line, like the Wolverine event starting in January, and kind of like not knowing where things are going. And reading this issue of Excalibur was like really kind of eye-opening for me and how much that I really do love and appreciate what it's done for Betsy. You know, I know people will have their issues with the book. It's not the best written at times. There's been some pacing issues. You even still have some of those things here. But Rick, I will always... Richter's, Richter's like awful. <laughs> I have truly, like, I truly I'm never sorry. want to read this character again. <laughs> let's just give him a whole, let's oh. put him back in and let's do a restart. But I think, again, and I'll always say this, like, I think this is a book that is improving. And I think the ideas that TD has and that she puts forward are always spectacular in the way that she is trying to, she's not really, she's additive, you know, to a, to the Krakoan culture and everything she does, I'm like it's very expansive. It's it's meant to. She's put mutants in other worlds. She's had them put in charge. She has had this uh, like you know with Exoswords and like the Oracle and like created this history and like it, it it just feels very big in that way. And that's what I really appreciate about a lot of this run. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens post revamp. But in this issue here, it kind of continues a lot of those things. Dr. Doom shows up. And I will say, I don't think I like Teeny's oh, Doom. Right. 
<laughs> I love um, how all these books have been forcing the Fantastic Forecast on you. <laughs> Doom, I can take a little bit more. Um, like I'll take with the grain of salt. I, I feel like I would like Doom. Okay. He seems like the maybe not Teenage Doom though. Not not Teenage Doom. And again, I say this is somebody who hasn't read a whole lot of Doom, but I feel like here he was just a little like too aggressive and bloodthirsty. I oh, feel yes, like. I yeah, I feel like when I see a lot of Doom, he is—he's got a big ego. He thinks highly of himself, but he still has—he still has like a calmness to him, and there's like a demeanor that's like just doesn't get on. He's not very wound up. Here, he's kind of like yelling. He's a little abrasive with people, uh, like very mm-hmm. tit for tat. It—it it, it was like I get what she was going for, but it was like taken to the next level. Like if she would have doubted down a few notches, I think it would have been a little bit more tolerable. But um, he basically comes to the team. He's like, I need to go to Otherworld because he needs to get something out of Morgan's castle. And um, the only way to get to Otherworld is through the Cohen Gate that is on Braddock Isle. So he shows up there and Betsy's like, he's like, I got this mutant baby from Latveria. And Betsy's like, give me that baby. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, if that baby doesn't have parents, she's like, give him to us so we can like put him on her cola and like start helping him be happy. And uh, she's like, and we will take you to Otherworld because you're not getting through the gate without me. They kind of go back and forth, which is nice. Again, I think Teeny's kind of started to really ramp up how she writes Betsy and like getting her back to that woman who knows how to like stand up for herself. And she's finally gotten past the rut, which is nice to see she goes back and forth with Doom a little bit. And he says to her, he's like, I heard you were an assassin. He's like, and like, he's like, why are you trying to be this night girl? He's like, is this your attempt at penance? And she's like, look, I'm done explaining myself to people. Do you want to go to Otherworld or not? (laughs) (laughs) I know that's right. (laughs) I was like, come on, girl. Um, And so they get there. When they go to find Morgan's castle, they realize it's gone. Uh, Megan joins them on this mission. And like, they also get attacked by an assassin from Sevalith, who is like, again, we've been hearing over the last few issues that mutants in Otherworld isn't really going over that well. Uh, Jamie's been doing some stuff behind the scenes. Obviously, they had the big war. Um, they're over in Sevilleth, so it's like, here we are. People want them out. They're going through. They end up finding that Morgan's castle has been taken to the Crooked Market by Mad Jim Jaspers. Betsy takes them there. Him and Doom are talking, and he says that he'll trade him. He's like, got whatever from Morgan's castle. He'll give it to Doom if Doom promises to make a deal that whenever Jaspers wants him to come back to Otherworld, he'll do it. And he'll do it with, like, the whole Latvarian army. And so Betsy's like, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) She's she's like, she's like, no, you are not doing that. She's like, especially because he would need Krakoan Gates to come back to Otherworld. She's like, you can't make any deal that puts the use of Krakoan Gates at risk. Like, you're not doing so again they're going back and forth he's like i will do whatever i need to do she lights up her little sword and puts it in his face she's like don't start a war i'm like come on girl like all right all right betsy Um, but then they get attacked by some of the furies and the furies are calling them friends of mordred uh mordred is the son of king arthur and morgan le fay and he's always been kind of evil trying to take the throne from Arthur and so they're calling her friends of Mordred and they're attacking all the other mutants who were hanging out in the other world and causing a ruckus there they're like what does this mean Betsy's like I am Captain Britain I am the hand of the citadel you got to follow the rules so they leave but they're like other friends of Mordred won't be spared Doom gives them like this little water after he leaves and her Betsy and Megan are talking and they say that she speaks about how when she was a baby and she was a mutant, people didn't know what she was and they thought she was some kind of monster and how Arthur cast Mordred out. The Furies calling them friends of Mordred. She thinks Mordred is a mutant. Oh. Yeah. 
So I was like, oh, that okay. was a nice twist. And it was like, it just wasn't, I like truly wasn't expecting it. And it really kind of made me take what I thought the trajectory of this book uh, was taking and like what it's going to be doing. It, it kind of like flips all that over now. I was like, oh, wow, like mutants mm. born in other world. That'll actually be kind of interesting to see. And again, that's what I think of the beauty of TD is she's very additive and she has this thing where she is truly trying to expand mutants, mutant culture, and Krakoa into the other world. Um, I don't really feel like she's doing too much to change Krakoa itself, but she is giving it the legs so that it can continue to go where it needs to. Okay. Now, would you like to see some other expansions of Otherworld? Do you think that would kind of build up this whole, like, corner if there was, like, a a sister book or something that was maybe also giving us more of what the mutants are doing in Otherworld? Oh, yeah, I would love that. And I always say, and I say that mainly because, A, Otherworld is a very good place. And Otherworld's taking a lot of changes. Like, when they did X of Swords and they kind of added, excuse me, they kind of added all these other new kingdoms and stuff to Otherworld, that was new. These mm. things haven't so a lot of that world building I would really like to see expanded upon. Um, and I think it's nice that some of the other writers have had, like, the characters go to Otherworld. Obviously, like, Wolverine was up in Sevilleth when he was hanging with Anubis. Um, the New Mutants had a journey there. There's even a data page in this book where they uh, have, like, they're interviewing people of Otherworld in the Crooked Market. And one of them is the mutant boy, Josh, who... Uh, oh, yeah, I remember him. ...from the New Mutants. So he's, like, still living in Otherworld. He talks about, like... I was here because, like, everybody else was also different, and, like, it was kind of a fun place to live, and, like, now here I am dealing with, like, the same anti-mutant bigotry. He's like, I don't want that. <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like, just leave I us alone. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, but it's just, again, it's just, like, really nice to see how, like, everyone's kind of, like, putting these things in here, and it, I think it also speaks to how much the ex-writers are, like, working together yeah. on a lot of these books. Um, but it's good. I, I, would, I would give this issue a strong 3.5 out of 5. Again, Teeny's Doom isn't really, like, Doom to me, um, or what I think Doom is, but I appreciate the back and forth with Betsy and how it kind of, like, again, helps reestablish her personality. I do like that Teeny continues to make little references to um, Betsy in her, like, Psylocke days and not being doing the nicest things. Like, she was on the Kill Squad. She, she kind of was, she, she was always a little bloodthirsty, even, like, back in the Outback days. She was always ready to kill somebody. I'm um, gonna say kinda. She, like... <laughs> the first thing Havoc did wrong, she was like, well, let's just kill him. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, Wolverine suggested that they kill him. She was just agreeing with it. <laughs> Providing a cosign uh, on a kill is still killing somebody. <laughs> um, and you know, it's crazy. I've been doing, like... I, the Outback is, like, my favorite team, so I go back and read those comics all the time, and I was like, she was, like, it's like every other issue, there's somebody, she's like, we should kill them, and I'm just like, something's wrong with this lady. Um, so, again, but it was nice to see that. Uh, Doom even, like, makes a comment about it. He says, when he's ar arguing with Mad Jim Jaspers, he's like, can't you just cut his head off? And she's like, I'm more of a peacekeeper these days. I can't do stuff like that anymore. And I was like, oh, that's oh, cute. For her. Yeah. So I was like, she's. I was like, she's trying. It's nice. Um, we get a little mention of strike too. I'm ready to get back to that. But all in all, I'm. Uh, again, this is always. I've always said that Excalibur can be a frustrating book, <laughs> but it is one that I think is improving and continues to improve, issue by issue. We're what 23 issues in now, so it's like, I don't know how much longer it's gonna go. I don't know what is gonna happen after this revamp, but I will always be grateful for the book and what it has done for Betsy and how it has managed to 
merge her history as a Captain Britain character with her history as an X-Man. Yeah. And I will always appreciate how it has expanded Krakoan stuff and Otherworld stuff and also merged them together. It's cool. Okay, y'all. Check out that Excalibur stuff. Um, I hope to get back into it. I love, I like Betsy, you know. <laughs> uh, Outback era Betsy will always be supreme for me. So I would love hearing that she's at least gotten at least some kind of like bite to her again is nice to hear. So no more lousy tears. No. Some of the some of the other cast still feels a little. Well, I, what I will say, no the thing like that to cry. Okay. <laughs> Teeny's dialogue of the team. They speak old, like the thing. Oh. Like yeah, it, it, they feel like they're in that like old timey King Arthur like world, old English type of stuff. But it doesn't make sense because they aren't old characters. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, they'll say certain things every now and again. It's like, that just feels a little awkward. Um, but, again, I get it. It's Is that supposed to be, like, the language of Otherworld or something? Like, that's just how they speak there? Mm-hmm. Kind of like guess, Asgard? I mean, I guess that's what you could say. But <gasps> even with Asgard, some of it's, like, normal. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> well, those are the comics of the week. Let's go ahead, take a little break, and then we'll be back. Let's do it. Shimmer was pretty cool too. I didn't know that she had like um, my first introduction to her was just uh, Young Justice. Mm-hmm. So I thought her powers was just like when she touched something they would disintegrate. I didn't know she could like transmute stuff. <laughs> Queen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Welcome back to another relaunch. And this week we are going to have a panel on some digital stuff. So let's get digital. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, so like, did you read um, X Men Unlimited? I didn't read it yet, I'm going to. It's, so on, I read it's on my queue, okay. And I will say that, um, really good stuff is Hickman on Wolverine, and it's Hickman, um, Hickman Wolverine versus AIM, so it's just like fun. Mm some fun stuff there and but it got me thinking that like it's only available on marvel unlimited and the way that you experience this comic is through scrolling you don't go yeah. left and right you kind of scroll so i don't think that that will ever be like printed collected yeah so it's kind of really only meant for some a digital space and it got me thinking like is that the new wave now are we going towards something where things are going to be strictly digital as far as comics you know we talk about the streaming era as far as movies go and even music but has the has covid or the pandemic or whatever really kind of pushed streaming for comics to kind of become the forefront as well it looks like dc infinite is kind of getting pushed marvel Mm -hmm. just like relaunched how do you Mm -hmm. feel about it um so i personally am here for it i don't really so like i've seen an example of the scrolling thing i haven't done it myself yet to like really give an opinion on it i don't necessarily know how i feel about that i still kind of enjoy the whole left to right aspect of reading the comic books but i do think that we are going like to a huge digital format and that's kind of the next wave again like you said i think i think 
comics was kind of always going that path. It was just moving very slowly. I think the pandemic sped it up a little bit. Again, I think we talked about last time how the publishing has switched over and they're finding new ways to distribute comics and get them to people. I think this is the one that is obviously most with the times. Yeah, it makes the most sense. Um, I don't think I'll necessarily want print comics to go away completely. I think they're valuable. I think they're a good thing to have. I personally don't have print comics anymore just because I don't have the space. But like if I had like a huge mansion with like a giant room, yeah, I would buy tons of physicals. Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) No, I would have tons of physical comics that I would put down there and uh, things like that. Just like right now, where I live and how I live, it's like, it's just not feasible. So digital is better for that. Again, I also think digital is just a little bit easier to get to people all around the world. There are lots of people who want to read comic books, but for whatever reason, they can't get them where they're at. Um, But I also know that the apps like Marvel Unlimited and DC Infinite aren't available all over the world yet. So they kind of got to ramp that up too. Yeah. And I know for like accessibility stuff, I, everybody knows I'm not like pro-capitalism. You know, I'm always down (laughs) I'm always going to tear, tear that down. Um, but uh, I know Amazon Comixology is where I get a lot of my comics, where I, like exclusively, basically yeah. at this point, kind of get my comics. And it's an Amazon company, but they recently are going to be folding Comixology like, up into Amazon. So instead of going to Comixology.com, that would no longer exist. You would just buy all of your comics from Amazon. Have they said if they're still going to have the app? I don't know. I think that the from what I've read, it looks like the app will still be there, but you will still purchase everything through Amazon.com. So it might still be a, a, like the reader, but you'll just okay. buy everything on Amazon.com. Okay. And you know, now they're going to be making everyone uh, basically combine their Comixology account with an Amazon account if you do or don't have one. Um, so kind of everything is all located in one place. Now, for accessibility purposes, I think that's great because like, and you can always point someone to Amazon, right? So yeah. um, probably also for some transparency purposes too. Like we always talk about how big the digital sales can impact a book, but now we, we will really be able to see it because, mm-hmm. you know, everyone may not be able to go to comicsology.com, but everybody know Amazon and like seeing yeah. what's the best sellers there and seeing what's really popping. So that can get a, a really interesting to see kind of how you, you know, do those, those kind of analytics and stuff coming back. I think it'll also be a nice little push just for other creators. You know, I think um, comic books, again, like print, they sell fine, but they always haven't sold the best. I think in the digital aspect, you can get a little bit more leeway of how it works and how it's sold and probably reach other people. And so that probably gives the opportunity for creators to test some things out a little bit more over there or even get books about characters that we don't normally see. Oh, for sure. You know, um... People may or may not have read the the, the solicit for X Amount Unlimited, but uh, that series is one that I've kind of been a fan of before. Uh, people may have listened to the a previous episode where I talked about Dark Star, but my in, my introduction to Dark Star was actually in an, an issue of X Men Unlimited, and that run mm-hmm. basically is just a bunch of random stories, like the yeah, writer it's a big anthology book. Yeah, it's just one big ongoing thing. You pick a character and some an artist, and you go and that's probably what's going to happen with this. Um, obviously, they said that the cast is going to rotate. Wolverine is obviously kicking off because it is what it is, the claw sale. <laughs> so, um, when you are the most popular X-Men, you don't really have to explain anything. 
<laughs> it's, it's, it's what it is. When you've got a video game coming, when you've got an event in your name, when you have multiple events in your name, actually, when you have your own line of movies, your own <laughs> Logan. I don't, I don't even like the Fox X Men movies. No, but Logan impacted the people. It did. Not me. I mean, Wolverine is just. It's on the. I saw a tweet. It was just like it's honestly at this point, it's more common to like hate Wolverine than it is to just admit, hey, he's the best there is at what he does. See, it's just like just accept it. It's all right. Right, and you know, obviously he's kicking off X Men Unlimited now with. Hickman, but that can rotate into any other character. So I feel like these kind of digital issues really get to explore some people who you may not have even gotten a chance to really explore. And who knows what other characters can keep becoming down the pipeline for this. Um, I also think that it's a good way for artists, kind of like you said, to artists and writers to kind of pitch things to like the big mm-hmm. two, and kind of present like a digital comic and, and go from there. I also think that it would be great for like promotional purposes. I hope that we get to the point of the comics influencing the comics. <laughs> and I think that we could probably get there if we got to maybe start to get more digital comics in the moviegoers' hands, you know? Um, yeah, because like you said, it's on Amazon now. Almost everybody has an Amazon account. Right. <laughs> so so like, how easy yeah. would it be to promote an Amazon.com link to get the comic book yeah agreed agreed is there anyone who you kind of think would do better in a digital only format um it's hard to say because you know i think some newer characters it's easier to say that they could do well in digital com in a format because they're newer and you know you can kind of appeal to like a younger audience but i think for like some audiences for like certain characters they just still want to see them in person or something like that i don't know it's it's weird i think that it's kind of kind of hit or miss with with what you do i think like the milestone books right now mm-hmm. all of them are doing kind of a i think i don't know if it's a same day release but they're doing both a digital and a physical release for their comics mm-hmm. and i know for myself i can reach some of those on dc infinite but some people may want to go and get them from out of the store so um yeah. I think it's kind of hit or miss what kinds of characters. And Static isn't necessarily new, but this is still like a relaunch of a, a kind of established character. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. I think someone like Cloak and Dagger would be be fine. I would never give them a physical book again. I would only give them digitals. <laughs> you know what? That's true, because I think certain characters, like if you've had a bunch of tries, like... <laughs> 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 it's like after a while it's like no cloak and dagger doors of the dragon misty knight and calling wing um they're digital only um those are like the biggest ones that come to mind right now but like i do think certain characters for whatever reason i don't know if they're just too niche i just don't know if like maybe the like the visual isn't there but like i would only put them digital yeah i think some some characters if they've had a bunch of different tries to kind of make that pop and it hasn't yet. Maybe just a digital only series could be better, because I think certain characters that people just like to see slice of life stories from. You know what? Yeah. Those are the types of characters I think would work the best for our, a digital series. You know, 
I hear people talk about like the Academy X kids a lot with the X-Men. And most of the time, it's not so much of a story, but it's like they want to see those kids like together and like hanging out. That's a digital series right there. So like, yeah, because I'm reading my comics to see some fighting. <laughs> right, but if you want to see like, I think even for people who may want a slice of life book on Krakoa, you know, that's a digital yeah. series right there. Which which is what this X Men Unlimited series is, right? I don't know if it's necessarily from Krakoa, but if it's just like X Men. And mutants. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Like I don't yeah. necessarily have to have to tie into like all of the the bigger picture of Krakoa, but you could just pick an X Men and the story about them. Ooh, yeah. Captain Betsy issue, please. I would like an Exodus um something. He would be good for that. He needs it. He needs, one. It. He he needs, needs a little it. something. He, he deserves little... it. Yeah. I didn't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) It's what it deserves. It would be nice. I mean, and this this is no spoiler, but like in the the Wolverine ones that came out, it's about like Wolverine and AIM has stolen like three mutants and Mm -hmm. um from from Sword. So like Sword (laughs) from Sword, and um (laughs) that just made me think of Real House of Atlanta. When uh, <laughs> <laughs> homegirl was like, "Yeah, man, with swords." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Anyway, um, so like you can kind of pick a a character and kind of make yeah. a story. I don't even know what these. They didn't even say who the mutants were, um, but they're gonna be about something. And the re- actually they're revealing it. You're gonna like it. Okay. I think I might read. In the second issue was pretty good. Okay, I'll read it today. So it was two issues. They were both Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Were they both like continuous stories of each other, or yes. were they like two separate? Okay. Did it seem like there's going to be another, a third part, or did, was it over? Definitely a third part. I don't know if it'll get. I don't know if they're going to do whole arcs. You know, like a six issue arc and then the next character or something like that. But definitely. He's gonna get a few. I, are these weekly? Did they say they were? I was, about to say, I was just about to say. I think I've read that it was weekly. They're kind of short. They kind of mm-hmm. go. They scroll. They scroll really fast. Mm-hmm. Is what okay. I should say. All right, I'll give it a try. See what it's like. Yeah, check it out. Um, and other people, check that out too if you're interested in some X-Men digital stuff. And let us know who you would like to see some some digital stuff from. Um, either your ex characters or any other outside of them, you know, I would also maybe get a. I would love a Sue Storm solo. I want that again. <laughs> I just want it again. <laughs> um, All right. Well, hopefully I can get it. <laughs> I mean, actually, I should probably just hope for that Fantastic Four reboot because. Yes. Let's push that that one first. Yeah. Hopefully soon. Look like the Reckoning War is going to be right on out the door. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, we will take a break and we'll come right back. All right. Simu's kind of like divisive on social media. <laughs> have, you, have you ever seen his Nicki Minaj tweet? 
Uh, he, had to, he, had to, he had to barb his in his fizzy. <laughs> he was truly afraid. <laughs> oh, they, there's like a video of him now when he's like rapping Super Vase on his um, Instagram Live. <laughs> he had to make up to him. He was like, I do not want them all up in my mentions. I'm sorry. That was the top five day on Twitter, I got to tell you. Um, the barbs are vicious. Love them. They attacked me once before. It was cool. You probably said something. I didn't mention, I didn't like mention Nikki's name though. <laughs> it don't take too much. <laughs> so no, so you know what it was? I actually do remember the thing who it was. It was when Doja Cat Say So went number one, but it was mm. like the remix version. And it was like, I was like, oh, I kind of wish she would, it was just like the song by itself because I felt like the song was doing like a really good lot of natural momentum. And I was like, you know, I wish they didn't feel like they had to be all gimmicky and like add anybody on the remix. And the That's bar song. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they were lighting you up. <laughs> oh, it was great. They were like, you are a grown man. <laughs> I was like, you guys, I'm just throwing here laugh. But no, it was a good day. They're cool though. But um, but welcome back, everybody. For the uh, another watch this week, we have finally seen Shang Chi and yes, the, yes. the and the Ten Rings, right? The Legend of the Ten Rings and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So I told my mom, I was like, "Oh, mom, I'm going to go see Shang Chi," and she's like, "What's that?" I was like, "The new Marvel movie." She's like, "Just say Ten Rings." I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, "Why am I just saying Ten Rings?" I said, "If anything, I'm just going to say I'm just going to see Shang Chi because I feel like you know Shang Chi." She's right. like, "No, I." She's like, no, I know the movie as The Ten Rings. I was like, okay. <laughs> okay I didn't know it was a thing. Okay. <laughs> I was like, hey, she just taught me something. Okay. Um, but I have seen it. How did you, so first overall, like, just general impressions. Like it, love it, hate it. General impressions, I would give this um, a thumbs up. I thought it was great. Um, really solid uh, movie. I enjoyed it. There were some moments that I didn't enjoy more than others, but like, the action and fight choreography was like top mm. tier. I mean, wow. And you know, that's kind of something that you expect. At least that's something that they should be expected to like have for this kind of movie. You know, yeah. it's it's, it's Shang Chi, so like you yeah. expect the fights to give. Again, and, I was just saying earlier, they bring him into fight. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you expect his fights to like go all the way there, and they did. Um, and yeah. the choreography and stuff, and the way that it was shot was all really like. Really, really great stuff. Aquafina wasn't nearly as annoying as I thought she was going to be in this movie. Agreed. I was like, found her tolerable. I will say, just really quick aside about her, I like, I wasn't sure if they were trying to make the dynamic with her and Sean, um, like, platonic or romantic or trying to lean into the romantic bit of it. I preferred if it stays platonic. I agree. Um, I prefer if it stays platonic. They kind of left it open to your own interpretation. Yeah. And, uh, you know, especially with the way that they kind of walk off together at the end there, you kind of like, What's you don't really know. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, with the, but I did, a pre, I like the way that the, the grandmother, or way she was like, you know, when are you going to get married? But I felt like that was more showing family pressures than to hint at them actually like having any romantic feelings for each other. Yeah, there were, like, a lot of little things in there that, like, kind of had me just looking like, mm, I don't <laughs> like this if it's a relationship. Just keep yeah. me friends. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need a kiss at the end. 
<laughs> Which is not, I think about it, this movie didn't even have any like romantic uh, love story. Which shout out to them for not having to lean on that. Yeah, like outside of the, outside of the mom and the dad. Um, which yeah, can we talk about them for a moment? That opening shot of them fighting together. Oh my! And just looking Beautiful. into each other's eyes and falling in love and like dancing and fighting. Ah, oh. I was kiss. like, that's this, how I yes. want to fall in love. Yes, fighting someone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Flipping and punching. <laughs> like, that is how you do it. That is how you find your soulmate. And, like, shout out to them again. Like, it's just a testament to the fight choreography and, like, how good everything looks. And I, the second half of the movie kind of devolves into your standard CGI Marvel film. But, like, that first half that was just doing the fighting stuff, like, excellent. I, I wouldn't have been opposed to seeing that the entire way throughout this movie. Yeah, the fights and everything throughout this movie were fantastic. I, of course, don't ever really mind the CGI stuff at the end. I expect that from superhero movies now. Um, um, I actually thought the CGI was really well done in this one compared to some of the other stuff. Like, especially at the end when the dragon underwater and everything. Mm -hmm. I was really blown away by how good that looked. Yeah. is it was not um spoiler alert obviously we're going to be talking spoilers throughout this entire discussion but um it was not fing fang foom like i thought it was going to be <laughs> like i guess it was <laughs> oh so speaking of the dragon so well first let me say this i will say though to the cgi parts on like the dragons and all the magic stuff i will say someone made a good point that they didn't mind it because they appreciated that it fully kind of showed like magic exists like magical things magical places these are things that are here. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can run. Like, everybody knows I'm going to be here for some magic. So mm-hmm. I'll take that. <laughs> um, but speaking of the dragon itself, do you remember at the end of the movie when Shang and the sister were riding on the dragon and the eyes lit up and then it started doing all the stuff with the water? Mm-hmm. Do you think that the dragon was able to do that because Shang and the sister were touching it. Because I saw it as just like, oh, the dragon's like... So, I watched Raya and the Last Dragon on Disney+. <laughs> <laughs> and so there was a dragon like that one who had, like, water powers. I, I, I think that's actually something in, like, their mythology. And so when I saw it, I was just like, oh, yeah, this is just what that dragon can do. It, like does this and like i've seen it do it in that other movie so yeah it's normal but uh a friend of mine who i went to go see it with he said that he felt as though it was because they were touching him and they were supposed to have like some connection to the dragon and that's why the whole part where the dad was uh had to get their pendants when he puts the pendants on the like the thing and it made the map and we saw the water show going around i didn't think about that until just now Because I think I agreed with you that I just thought that it was something that the dragon could do. I just thought it could do that. <laughs> it's a dragon. It's a dragon. It waterbend. So it was just like, oh, this is the part, like, the dragon's got them. Like, let me use my power. Like, let's let turn it up. My life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I know what to do next. So, like, stand back and I'm about to splish splash around and make this thing do what I got to do. But, like, exactly. I guess I didn't think about that. Oh, it could have been like kind of activated from the two siblings because they did have that connection with the eye and there mm-hmm. was that water there. I kind of like mine better. <laughs> I, I like that it's just what the dragon does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, I think that 
I think you can still make the connection with the pendants and saying that they have it so that way they like have access to the dragon or they know that the dragon is a part of them or mm-hmm. just whatever. I do think they, they have a connection to like the great protector. Yeah, but I don't think them touching it necessarily powered the dragon. But if you disagree, please let us know. Yes, for sure. I love to argue. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but did you like, do, I saw you tweeting that you didn't really care for the Mandarin part. No, I did not. Okay, so um, <clears throat> the Mandarin, what I was trying to say so that I didn't spoil it on my tweet, I meant like uh, Ben Kingsley, that character, mm-hmm. you know, who was who played the Mandarin in Iron Man 3 and was supposed to be the villain, but like turned out to be like this joke actor. And they brought him back around for this. And I, while I appreciated what they did by explaining his character and like kind of putting a close to that by saying, you know, I actually liked when the dad was saying that I've been so many things before in life and then they changed me into some like white man yeah. <laughs> who's <laughs> named, named after an orange. <laughs> uh, so I did appreciate that, but I didn't think that we needed to have Ben Kingsley come in, be found as the actor and mm. still be like kind of bumbling around as the actor and then him having that like pig eagle thing and like them dragging out how long that he had been like the actor with them. I didn't need him on the trip. I didn't need him (laughs) in the village. I didn't even really need that scene of him at the end when he like pretended to die. We didn't really need him. Okay. I can, I can, I can agree with that. that. I did like the little like pig flying thing though. I could have done too. <laughs> it was really cute. It was weird. I, I appreciated all the magical creatures that they showed in this movie. Um, I appreciated the fight scene with Michelle Yao and uh, Simu Lu when he was like when she was training and like teaching him how to use the abilities that his mom had. And I also liked that even when he tried to use them on the dad later on in the fight, he still lost. <laughs> it was very much like you give me, you might be able to do it, but you ain't her. Like, uh, <laughs> get to that point. So that was a really cool scene. Again, I, I, I'm a huge Michelle Yao fan. So anything she does, I will always be in there for that. Like, it, it was about time she got to the MCU. Well, she was actually in it already. Cause she showed up. She showed up in the. Um, do you remember in the Guardians when all the other ravers and stuff came for? Mm-hmm. What's his name? Yondu. She yes. was like on. The, she was the leader of one of the ships. Oh. Well, that don't matter. That don't count. I mean, it it doesn't count because like it's the Guardians. But, <coughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't like, count. Yeah. Uh, so it's nice that she finally is like here and has like something to do, a big spot. Mm-hmm. So love that for her. And it's like the aunt to Shang, so like she's obviously gonna be around to be able to come back around. Love that they're building up the family for Shang in the movies. Again. Shout out awesome. to the sister. I kept calling her Sister Dagger because again. Shout out to that Shang-Chi, like, miniseries that we talked about and, like, Mm -hmm. uh, reviewed earlier, because I felt like I kind of knew who these people were. she was. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just going to call her Sister Dagger, because that's obviously who she was. Who she is. She had had her good bob on. (laughs) Okay. She deserves. It's something about a bob that really takes these girls to the next level. It does I don't know if you've noticed. 
I don't know if you know this, but it's like the Winter Soldier ball. I was just tweeting earlier. I saw I was watching this movie today called The Protege. Uh, has Maggie Q and Michael Keaton, Samuel Jackson, and it's like this action movie. It's amazing. Everyone, please go and watch it. But there's this part where Maggie Q's character switches her hair and she puts on this bob. It's curtain. It, it means it's you mean curtain. like it means you mean business. business. Like, <laughs> out here like killing people. Like I was like, come on. I was like, it's done. Like it's something about a bob. It really oh, sets the top. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> and she is. I mean, she deserves, in my opinion. I loved every moment she had. I loved when she talked about that. Like you know, her dad never let her be a part of the empire, so she was gonna build her own. And um, her moments were very like em- like female empowerment, but didn't feel girl boss mm-hmm. <laughs> me, um, you know, yeah. which I thought was really dope. Um, I also really, I loved in this movie that they spoke Chinese throughout the entire, um, mm. I don't know if it was yeah. always Chinese, but, um, but that it wasn't, they never like switched back to English. <clears throat> yeah. Um, throughout the entire movie, I even liked when the one guy joked and was like, Oh, I speak ABC. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. It was a really nice touch. It was just, it was really well done. And it's like, shout out to this movie and shout out to the power of Marvel because it had like a great opening weekend, especially amongst the pandemic. You know, I know that's what a lot of people are worried about, um, which also makes me kind of feel a little bad for Black Widow. It makes me feel like she would have got her money's worth had she had her theatrical release. Yeah. Did she? She had one. Do you honestly think that people would have gone like that the way they yes. wanted? Yes. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Don't do that to Natasha. You, I, I get it. You're still upset about that Taskmaster, but I need you to let that go. Because <laughs> Natasha would have got her things. And then I saw, I saw a rumor she that apparently got my money <laughs> in that she movie theater. Got your money. And you would have been bad. Ooh. Oh my gosh, I cannot imagine. Oh, being I would have been hot in my car afterwards, like, wow. <laughs> they did me wrong. But that's how I feel about um, Wonder Woman 1984. And I think I said that a lot. Of times. Like, maybe that. Now, that one did not deserve a theater release. That one did not deserve a theater release. <laughs> no, no. And she keep coming out telling us how it should have been. And it's like, girl, no. And then she keeps coming out talking about like, oh, um, we need to go back to theater so we can experience cinema and like people need to know what real movies were. I don't know if anybody That's else. That's your example. Check, <laughs> I don't know if else check my IMBD page, but it's just Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Wonder Woman. <laughs> it's just Wonder Woman, and it's like, baby. Like, if these are your examples of real cinema, no. You need, <laughs> you need to stop. You need to stop. But nonetheless, uh, Black Widow, I probably honestly wouldn't have gone to see Black Widow in the theater, but I think she should have got her theater release. I, I think she other people would have gone. She deserved it, yeah. Um, but this was great. I also love that uh, we didn't really... Did we get any... Like connections to other Marvel people in there? I didn't notice them if we did. Other Marvel like characters? Yeah. Not that I remember. Although I looked it up and I guess that um do you know who Katie Bashir is in the comics? Actually I think she was a part of the Braddock Academy. And the did you just 
Oh, she was. That's who Aquavita was supposed to be. Right? I didn't know that. <laughs> I had to Google. That's what Google was telling me. I could be completely wrong. So fact checked me on it. But like, that's the Katie that she was supposed to be. Was the Katie from the Brodick Academy? Katie, Katie Bashir. Isn't that? Isn't she? Was she from the Brodick Academy? Right? I mean, I don't remember if her last name was Bashir. There is a Katie that was in the uh, Braddock Academy, though. There's there's a Katie. Look it up. Look it up. I'm gonna check. So I'm, I'm not wild. Just <laughs> reading Avengers Arena. My mind. Yeah, is blown. people I said people are saying that that's who she was playing. My mind is blown right now, actually. If that's her, and a little bit upset actually, because she don't deserve to be Katie. Katie was kind of hot. Yeah. She so, was a hot, yeah. like, not, not not like hot in like appearance, but like hot as a character. She was evil. <laughs> yeah, she was evil. <laughs> she was evil. And Aquafina doesn't deserve. Yeah. Um but again I could be wrong. But that's what people are saying that that's what that's the case she was. Okay. Well, I mean if that's the case, that'll be interesting. That would be kind of upsetting. Unless they yeah. like the villain route with her. Yeah. But like, yeah, if I ever had my Katie, I, come on. They are seeding the Braddocks in there, baby. They They're slowly coming. are. <laughs> they are coming. And I just... Circle of the drain. It's going to be a good time. And people were I... mad. That might <laughs> that name. What? That was she was probably going to star in the movie. What? <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Good time. That'll be wild. They're not gonna be able to shut you up if they if they get a Betsy solo Captain Britain movie. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> the day gets announced. If there's a, you know, I think you were just telling me about how they just announced uh or they just released a couple of Marvel movies unnamed, but yeah, they got they the date. They had like movie. seven uh, new slots open for twenty twenty four, I think. If one of those truly does end up being tied to the Captain Britain mythos in any type of way, I'm just going to tweet that gif of Rihanna putting the crown on her head. <laughs> and that's what we know. And that's when you know. I, I, I won't say anything. I won't go on like a 20 tweet tirade. I won't like gloat. I'm just going to tweet that gif. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll be on the lookout for that one for sure. But, um, and Shang-Chi, I didn't really see any any greater Marvel like connections mm-hmm. that I remember. I, I don't remember any, but I was gonna say I like that. Mm-hmm. I, I, obviously, they made they made like a quick comment. You know, when the girls she mentioned the blip, she was like, you know, we could disappear in this world and forever alone. And like she was trying to convince Shang and uh, Katie to be better at whatever it is they were doing, but like. We didn't get any cameos or anything like this was Shang's story. And like, I really appreciated that for this. And the only really things about the blip even that I saw were, I saw the posters for that. I think there was a dating app or something about mm-hmm. like, like post blip dating life or something. And yeah. uh, I saw, I remember Shang has said something about like, you know, we live in a world now where the way half of humanity could like disappear. But that mm-hmm. was pretty much the only like, yeah. Very connection there. The other, I mean, the only connections that we got to the Greater Marvel Universe happened with Wong. Oh yeah, Wong. Oh yeah, Wong. Oh, an abomination. 
An abomination. That's right. That was hot. <laughs> that, that was, was hot. That scene. was actually really dope. Yeah. That was a hot scene right there, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I remember that now. That was cool. That guy said um, he bets on Asian. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that was a good oh, scene. Um, also, the ending, I love that we're going to get, you know, I hope everyone stayed for their post credit scenes. <laughs> so, because some people left out my theater. I saw some people leave out of mine, too, and it was like, I mean, it, we've been doing this now for at least, like, 20 years. It's, it's like, how do you not, <laughs> like, how do you not know now? It's like, and honestly, I will say that, you know, my theater was still kind of empty, so there weren't a lot of people in there. So it was like, it's not like you're trying to rush to get out and beat everybody out the door. Right. It's only five of us in here. <laughs> right. Stay for the second scene. Um, But, you know, in the second scene, we saw that the Ten Rings will come back with Sister Dagger in charge. And she's got her whole little crew. She's got some women on the docket. And you know, the girls get it done. The girls get it done. Did you see when they panned out into the uh, training, the training area, and it was all women? (laughs) Women, supremacy, we love it. (laughs) And she brought some more more graffiti art to the whole uh, compound. She said, we making it mine. I love that. We love a woman warrior over here, okay? Stan. Ooh, do you think they might fight the Dora? Oh. No. No, probably not. Mm. I, don't really, I don't really see them getting into it with Wakanda. Mm. I don't know what they're going to do with Wakanda, actually. Mm, that's true. That's a good what did you good. Speaking of Wakanda, did you see that um, other after credits scene when the rings were like, like buzzing and singing off some kind of beacon, and they mm. we saw Bruce Banner say that the by like the metal wasn't vibranium or anything like that, mm. and Captain Marvel said that it wasn't anything like from out in space. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Any like guesses of what's going? What do you think it's? No, and I was about to say I feel like I should maybe like no, but I feel like it's something that would be relevant to Shang Chi. And, I thought that too, but I couldn't think of anything. And I was like, I can't <laughs> with the metal. But again, I was like, as I was just saying earlier when I was reviewing that issue, Shang-Chi isn't a character who's gotten like too much of that story. So it might be something that they're building towards right now in the comics that we might see later. Or it just might be some other type of metal. Yeah. Maybe, it's, maybe it'll be sold. Oh, that could be interesting. When uh, Wong was doing that scan and he said that, you know, Oh, it's sending some kind of like signal or like a beacon out. Yeah. Most I saw some people thinking that it was going to be Galactus. Oh, I don't like that. Or like Silver Surfer or something. I don't like that either. I could see Silver Surfer. I mean, we got the Fantastic Four coming. Oh, I don't like that. All because you know he did say in that same scene they asked him where to get the rings from. He said, you know, my dad had them for like thousands of years, way before, like a long time ago. Maybe it'll have something to do with Kang. Oh. You know, the threshold has been broken. That's true. Maybe Kang wants some. I could see that. Oh, I can't wait for Kang to come back. Yeah. That's going to be a hot moment. <laughs> um, so, takeaways, you know, enjoyable. Do uh, you think this is going to get the full trilogy treatment? Definitely. I saw that they had already announced that it was getting a sequel. So, okay. um, and I mean, it looks like the success of this movie is what's causing, uh, you know, everybody else to keep keep their dates. Because I recall that 
if this movie didn't do well, then they were going to push Eternals back or maybe not give mm-hmm. it also a theatrical release. So mm-hmm. um, shout out to it, Shang-Chi for being a success. It's all, Again, I wonder, it's also interesting. I wonder what the theaters have been looking like, like everywhere else. Because I know a lot of people who've gone to see the movie here and they said they, their theaters were still kind of empty. So it's like, are people getting like packed theaters or are everyone just like seeing it, but they're making sure they kind of space out when they see it. So everyone's not there at the same time anymore. Um, Cause it's great that it's doing so well. It's just interesting at the same time when you have so many people saying like, Hey, they're not going back to theaters or right. they're just like cautious about it. Yeah. My theater was fairly empty, but also went like early in the day. So um yeah. I was definitely there at, I want to say, like, 8 o'clock for my showing. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, and I had, it was two of us, and there were maybe, like, six other people in the theater, and that was it. Wow, okay. Yeah. It must be in other places, then, that it's doing fairly decent, where people are going to the movie theater to see it. I still think that it would have been just as well on a Disney, Disney Plus. Plus. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, it is well. We'll never know now. <laughs> <laughs> no, because they came by the theaters. <laughs> what would you rate this movie overall? Did you put it in the? If you had to put it in the upper half or lower half of your MCU movies, where would you put it? I would put it in the upper middle. I think that's where it's hitting for me too. Yeah, I still really enjoyed a lot of it. Again, I the fight choreography was great. I thought it was a pretty great um, origin story for Shang, an introduction to him, his world. I still had some issues like with how it delved into the classic CGI stuff towards the end. But mm-hmm. again, I can understand it and I can accept it. But yeah, definitely upper middle. Same for me. How would you compare it to Black Widow? So I'm gonna be honest, I actually like Black Widow more. Really? Okay. Um, but Black, mm, I, I I I don't know why I just like Black Widow more. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to try like excuse or like say something or like uh, oh, but it's like no, I just like Black Widow more. <laughs> yeah, I don't know which one of them I liked more. It's all just fighting to me. <laughs> I think yeah no yeah no I think that I enjoyed the first half of this movie more than the first half of Black Widow but as an overall film I enjoy Black Widow more Yelena she's got that power I'm <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, on that note, we are going to get up out of here. Make sure you check us out wherever you listen to your podcast and rate and subscribe us. And uh, you can send us all your questions and comments. Um, if you can email them at anotherrelaunch at gmail.com. You can send us something on Twitter at anotherrelaunch or on Instagram. We're also there. You can watch the show um, mm. at anotherrelaunchtv. Uh, you can find me on most social media platforms at LZ. Keenan, where can they find you? You guys know you can find me at Keenan Lance, and there's an underscore at the end. Boom. All right, y'all. Well, let's get up out of here, and we will catch y'all next week. See y'all.